Kirsten Wyatt is the executive director of ELGL, a professional association that engages local government leaders across the United States. She and her husband, Kent, co-founded ELGL near Portland, Oregon, to connect people in public service roles. And it's since grown into an organization with close to 1,000 members across 35 states. What attracted me to them was their commitment to rethinking local government and what government jobs can offer job seekers today, as well as their commitment to rebuilding trust between local governments and their constituents. ELGL is meeting all sorts of needs for those who dream of building their communities professionally. And I talked with Kirsten about how their approach is making local government more effective for everyone involved. I'm Josh Morgan. My conversation with Kirsten is coming up next on The Plural of You, the podcast about people helping people. So I've had this lingering but sort of lazy fear that a large percentage of Americans have soured on the concept of government in recent years. But I've learned some good news. I've mostly been worried for nothing. I found that American favor for government depends on what level of government we're talking about, be it federal, state, or local. Most of us probably know that trust in the U.S. federal government is an an all-time low. According to the Pew Research Center, fewer than 2 in 10 Americans reported in 2015 that they would trust the federal government to, quote-unquote, do what is right. That's pretty dismal. That's the lowest trust in the federal government has been since Pew started keeping track of it back in 1958. But on the other hand, roughly 7 in 10 Americans said in 2014 that they trusted their local governments, and roughly 6 in 10 said the same for their state governments. That's according to Gallup. These vary by geography, of course, but it's nice to know that most Americans haven't given up entirely on the concept of government. And it's a good thing that there's still some confidence left because many government services are playing catch up with advances in the rest of society. I mean, just look at technology. Another area where governments have struggled has been with hiring and recruiting. And that's where Kirsten and ELGL come in. ELGL provides a network where people with varying interests in public service can find one another. And it's completely run by volunteers. Kirsten is also committed to sharing stories from people who work in local government which I like to imagine helps governments seem more personable and more inviting. Oh, before I forget, I wanted to mention that I discovered ELGL through their podcast titled GovLove, where Kirsten and her team interview those working in local governments from around the United States. They've had some fascinating guests, and I really mean that. So as a side note, I highly recommend it. I talked with Kirsten the day after she attended a professional conference in Austin, Texas. Now, I realize that government isn't always the most appealing topic, But I think that's unfortunate. For every stereotype about DMV workers being tough to work with or city managers who are corrupt and play favorites, there are emergency managers working long hours on projects to take care of us or accountants who really are committed to finding the best use for our public funds. In the end, our governments are tools and they reflect our intentions as citizens, whether we're passionate about participating or we neglect them with cynicism or apathy. But it's like I said earlier, I I like to think that Kirsten and ELGL will help to restore our relationships with governments going forward. Here's Kirsten Wyatt, the executive director of ELGL, to talk about it. If you wouldn't mind, tell me a little bit about ELGL. What kind of work do you do? Sure. So we are a big tent local government organization, and our goal is to connect, communicate, and educate about local government service. One thing that we realized is that local government is very siloed. 
And it's not uncommon for people to only have professional development opportunities in the department that they're working in. So, for example, city managers are part of a city managers association and finance directors are part of a finance directors association. But there's really no professional association for people who are just generally interested in local government and urban affairs. And a lot of this is based in this idea that you're supposed to know where you're going in your career. And that's how professional affiliation has traditionally occurred. What we realized is if you don't know where you're headed, but you do know that you love public service, there needs to be a place for you, a place that you can learn and connect and grow. Ultimately, there's kind of this disturbing trend that we're seeing that professional associations closely hold information. So training is only offered if you're a member or conferences or networking opportunities. And really, government is the ultimate open source entity where we believe that everything we do should be shareable and scalable. Makes sense. And so we grew tired of seeing some of these existing associations guard information and protect these learning opportunities. And because there really weren't other associations that said, hey, if you if you just care deeply about how communities are built and maintained, my husband Kent and I started our own professional association, and that is ELGL. Nice. How long ago was that? So it's been about six years at this point, and it started just very organically, bringing together some people working in local government in the Portland metro area for lunch. And then from there, it got a little more formalized. We would bring in guest speakers, or we would have different people present on what they were working on. And really, at that point, the goal was just to make sure that people knew each other across jurisdictions, because it seemed silly that if one city was working on a franchise agreement, for example, that they shouldn't know somebody in the neighboring city that they could call up and just say, hey, can you get me a copy of this so we can replicate it in our community? So it honestly was just all about, you know, just trying to build better relationships. But again, kind of going back to that idea that there wasn't a home or a place for all of us who wanted to think and talk and learn about local government. Um, we started to get people from out, outside the region saying, how can we get involved? So we really started to build out our social media platforms so we could take what we were learning and share it more broadly, regardless of where you worked. Before you founded ELGL with your husband, did, did you two have experience doing anything like this? Like, what was your background? Well, so... We met in the MPA school at the University of North Carolina. Chapel Hill? In Chapel Hill. Mm -hmm. And we, at the time, we were both going back to MPA school to become city managers. We started dating when we were working on an extraterritorial sewer line extension project. (laughs) (laughs) That always brings people together. It really does. But we both always knew and just felt very deeply about public service. We both knew that we were going to have careers in public service. But the idea of kind of creating this startup professional association, you know, wasn't on our radar. But what really prompted it was we had been living out in Virginia. And we made one of those bets where we said the first person to find a job in local government, we're going to move there. And so we moved out here to Oregon and we didn't know a soul. And, you know, really kind of it it puts you in a situation where you realize how important a network is when you're in a situation where, you know, no one. But we did have the benefit of having each other. And since we both work in the field, it was always very nice to be able to, you know, come home and bounce ideas or questions off of somebody or share articles or share ideas. And so we kind of took that 
idea of having a network that we had in each other and said, you know, we can't just do this. We need to make sure everybody has a resource like this. And, you know, my husband always jokes, not everyone is lucky, lucky enough to marry a bureaucrat. So, (laughs) (laughs) so making sure that everybody had a chance to to build out their own network. Mm -hmm. So what would you say makes you so passionate about encouraging workers, especially young workers to get involved in local government? Like what are some of the benefits over say, I don't know, business or academia, for example? The best thing about local government is making a real visible difference in communities. Before I worked in local government, I did work at the state government level and I was kind of a spreadsheet jockey. Like I was pushing numbers around, the numbers represented huge sums of money, but it it wasn't tangible and it wasn't real. And at the local government level, the services that are provided are so critical to health and safety, like first and foremost, you know, it's all about getting people clean water, toilets that flush, roads that are drivable, police officers who are ready, firefighters who respond. I mean, these are critical core services that make our communities livable, and it keeps us safe. And then on top of that, local governments are also doing things that that really build community and make cities places that you want to live and work. Things like long-range planning, things like zoning, as dry as that can be to talk about, it's important as you think about what you want your community to look like. Providing transit, library, parks, recreation, all of those little extras that go into making a city a home. And those are all of the things that you get to work on every single day when you work for a city. And to me, there's no better feeling than knowing that you're going into work and the work you're doing is impacting all of those critical services. And ultimately, you know, I think a lot of people say they go into public service to to give back, but it's just so tangible at the local level. And so that's why I really am passionate about talking, especially to younger people saying, if service is important to you. Local government is an incredible way to do that. And I know some people do choose the nonprofit route and and for a lot of those same reasons, they love the direct service of it all. But it's also that diversity that you get at the local level. When you work in local government, you're dealing with cops and librarians. And I'll tell you, like they couldn't be more different, but they're (laughs) they're co-workers. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And so it really is a nice way to just get to see this whole breadth of services that are so critical to all of us as a civilized society. It's interesting how so many of those services we, we as the public kind of take for granted until they're put right in front of us. And I imagine like, you know, people that are out looking for jobs in the labor market, you know, they may feel the same way until someone comes to them like you and says, hey, you know, maybe you should think about local government. And they're like, oh, oh OK, maybe they wouldn't have thought of it otherwise. Right. And, and a big thing that, that I think local government needs to do better is to remind people of that and to tell those stories. In, in very large, especially at the county level, um, county government organizations, they're even hiring doctors and dentists, you know, in their public uh-huh. health departments. You know, in your public works department, you, you have engineers, you have mechanics. And the thing that I, that I find incredible about local government is that if you have an aptitude and you still have this passion for service, like local government is a career option for you. Obviously, there might be more, you know, city planner jobs because there are more cities, but it doesn't mean that if you have a calling for engineering that you have to go and work for some firm. Like you can go work for your local city and you can be the one that's um, designing those water mains or, you know, figuring out um, how to how to get that sewage to run downhill. And those are things that make a huge, huge difference. And you get to have the benefit of going home at night and knowing that you did some direct service. 
Are you aware of anyone that maybe you've influenced that, you know, they're doing really well today in their positions? Two, two come to mind. So as I had mentioned at the start, you know, a huge thing that we try to do as a professional association is to give opportunities to everybody, regardless of where they are in their career. And that's always been important to us. There tends to be a hierarchy in some of these more traditional associations that you don't get kind of the plum writing assignments or committee assignments until you've kind of paid your dues. But for us, it's all about hard work and, and putting in the effort. And a really good example of that is a, was a, a guy named Josh. And he was graduating from the University of Oregon. And he wasn't quite sure what he wanted to do, but he thought working for a city might be interesting. And so what we agreed to do for him is we set him up on a series of informational interviews. And we said, after you're done with each one, we want you to write about it. So Josh took it upon himself to go out on, I want to say, eight or nine informational interviews. And after each one, he'd write up a summary of, of what he learned. And we called the blog series um, Josh's Job Search. And oh, nice. he had gone in and done an informational interview with the city of Portland with a woman who's an ELGL member. And she was impressed with him. I mean, he's a, he was a great guy. And she did a little bit more reading and read his prior posts. And they had a temporary opening. They were instituting a new tax in the city of Portland, and they needed some temp workers to kind of run the call lines. And so she brought him in. Just recently, I found out that he is taking his licensing exam to get his accounting degree. And he is committed to a career in local government finance. And he's still with the city of Portland. They hired him on full time. Good for him. Yeah. And, you know, to me, again, it goes back to this willingness to work hard and learn new things. And we never say no to anybody who wants to get involved with our group and, you know, try to have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. What, what was the second story? So one of our members out of our Chicago chapter, she had formerly been a Chicago Tribune reporter. And like a lot of reporters are doing these days, she made the jump to local government and was working as a PIO for a small Chicago suburb. But she was doing great, and she was getting really involved with the LGL. And, and through that, she immediately found a network of people who she could talk to and bounce ideas off of. And, you know, at this point in time, Kent and I hadn't even met her in person. Her name's Bridget. But it was this incredible phenomenon that we that we get to experience in this day and age where you can actually form relationships with people through social media. Mm-hmm. And I'm never saying that that replaces, like honest to goodness, face-to-face, you know, communication, but, but especially for professional networking, like it does definitely fill that gap. Well, anyway, she was approached by a private company to come and do in-house marketing. It was for a food products company and it was for a lot more money. She had that moment where she was able to look at her career and what she wanted. And she was able to look at the network that she'd been able to build, you know, across the country through her ELGL connections. And she turned the job down and then has gone on and now is the director of community services for a a pretty big city up in Michigan. So I'm really proud of her. And again, I think sometimes what we had been seeing happen is getting lured away by money in the private sector. Mm -hmm. And for us, it's really important for us to build a network that keeps people in local government. Because I I think one thing we found is the more people you know, um, the bigger your network, the more secure your network, it's more likely that you're going to want to stay in the field because it can get tough. And if you have people to commiserate with or to share ideas with, you're going to stay. And that's what we need is to keep talent in local government. 
Yeah, I was wondering, I noticed ELGL has several different branches across the country. And it sounds like having those branches kind of helps maintain that network that you just mentioned. How do you keep all that coordinated? So we use Slack, which I don't know if you're familiar with Slack, but it's Mm -hmm. an online messaging tool. And we just rely on a network of really hardworking, dedicated volunteers. When someone wants to get more involved, we kind of gauge that level of interest and say, we'll give you an opportunity and and we'll make it fit for whatever you, you want right now. For some people, that's writing a monthly column. For others, it's heading up and organizing those regional chapters. And really, it just comes down to this group of people who are doing incredible things and have just shown a willingness to jump in and get the experience that you can get through a professional association. Some organizations, you have a job and that's the job that you do. But if you want to advance, you want to gain some skills that are outside of that job description. And so another example We're starting a new series where we are going to have an intern interview people who are retiring from local government, and then we're going to compile their stories into an ebook so we don't lose that institutional knowledge. And we're going to have one of our management team members who's based out of Durham supervise that intern. He's not currently in a, in a job where he gets the chance to supervise people, but this is going to give him kind of a, a sneak peek at what it's like to manage people, which will help his resume. So that sounds excellent. Yeah. I mean, we try to work with each of our management team members and say, you know, what do you need to grow? We had an example a couple of weeks ago, one of our management team members up in Minnesota presented at her first professional conference. And that's huge. She can put that on a resume and she did such a great job that I wouldn't be surprised if she's invited back, you know, every year to their conference. So that's great. Yeah. So it's, you know, for us, it's just about, it's a professional association. The least you can do is, is help people build out their professional resumes. And um, we strive really hard to make that happen. Nice. I'm glad to hear that. That sounds like a good approach. It seems these days that confidence in government at large at all levels is kind of at an all-time low, mm-hmm. or at least a recorded low. Right. I'm wondering, is that a problem for the recruiting process? Oh, absolutely. I think it's the lack of confidence or a distrust in government. It's also a perception that government it can be inefficient or boring or slow. And another thing we really try to do through ELGL is to remind people that working in government is fun and it's creative and innovative. Even when it does get tedious or bureaucratic, that this is a network you can look to to celebrate the good stuff. But, you know, study after study shows that even as... American sentiment toward government goes down. Local government of the three levels of government is usually the top ranked. And I really attribute that back to that level of direct service that you're providing. Even though I think people don't always correlate the librarian that they see helping their kids during story time as a local government employee, local government is is much more in your face. It's not an abstract NBC Nightly News story or a screaming presidential candidate during a debate. You know, it really is in your hometown. There are people that you see in the supermarket. It's people that you see at Rotary Club. And so the personalization of local government, I think, keeps things a little more civil. But it also, at the same time, you know, makes it sometimes really challenging when there is dissent or when there is disagreement because it is so in your face. And so it really is about learning to balance the fact that you get to have this direct impact, but that sometimes 
it also means that you're in the grocery store and you're just trying to grab dinner and get home and someone's yakking your ear off about, you know, the streetlight that's burned out in front of their house. But it's, you know, all about trade-offs. And, and I really believe too, it all comes down to trust. I think ultimately society is becoming distrustful of large institutions. And again, another thing that I really want ELGL to do is to help our members find ways to rebuild that trust in their communities because it needs to start somewhere. And it's certainly not starting at the presidential level right now. Just listening to what you're saying, it sounds like maybe there are two solutions. Customer service on the local government side and then maybe for everyone, education. But in saying that, I'm not really sure, you know, where we would begin to even educate people to maybe be more, I guess, understanding or patient with local government. Do you have any insight into how we can kind of rebuild that confidence? You know, when I was at that conference yesterday um, down in Austin, it was a presentation from, I think it was Accenture and their public consulting group had done a survey about what percentage of Americans expect local government digital services to be equivalent to private sector digital services. And the number was astounding. It was like 85%. Like people have very high expectations for their government. And I think that one thing that we need to do as government officials is understand that people have high expectations. And maybe this idea of like, it's good enough for government and those types of attitudes, you know, people are wanting to see their local government rise to the challenge. And they want to see their local government have the same level of professionalism and competence that they expect from any of their other service providers. I think sometimes we haven't given ourselves enough credit and haven't trained ourselves up to the point where we're saying, yeah, we're going to run this place and it's going to have the same level of customer responsiveness as, you know, your local bookstore or, you know, whatever comparison you want that to be. And so that's another thing we're starting to think more and, and work more on. I think the rise of civic technology is a really interesting trend that a lot of our members are jumping on board with. The idea of using some different tools to gather information, track the data behind the work that local government does, and then use that to make better decisions is really fascinating. We're starting to see more local governments adopt customer response management tools so they're able to track the issues that are coming into the local government. So finding out, you know, using things like mapping those requests onto, onto maps and finding out, you know, where there tends to be some trends as it relates to potholes or nuisance complaints or, you know, even things like, you know, dogs barking or uh, things like that. And it's just using that rise of technology to kind of show people that we're listening and we're responding and we're not just sitting back and waiting, you know, for someone to tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me of what you were saying earlier about social media. You use it very effectively, and it sounds like that could be a tool that local governments could use to maybe help encourage participation and, and rebuild that trust like you meant. It is, and what we're still seeing a lot of organizations that are very fearful of social media because I think, as you probably have heard, social media is it's a, it should be a conversation. And often, and I think in more traditional local governments, they've wanted to push information out there and then have people just take it in. And this idea of having a two-way conversation or of being responsive 24-7, 365, you know, through a Twitter feed or a Facebook feed or any of these other civic tech tools, 
it's a little daunting for people. And so, you know, we've seen some reluctance, but we're trying to kind of break down those barriers and show people the value that social media can bring. And sometimes that's as easy as saying, you know, here's a sample social media policy. You don't have to go out and write one from scratch. It's pretty straightforward. And by the way, half of your employees are already on social media all day long anyway. They know how to use it. You don't have to hire somebody different to run your programs. But there is still some reluctance. And I think some of that comes back to, again, this idea that we used to have a method where we would post a public notice on a bulletin board, and that was how we communicated with the public. And these tools are making it a two-way communication, and that's just a very different way of doing business for some people. So if anyone listening would want to get involved in the type of work you do, like your cause, or even with your organization, sure, what would be the best way to do that? So we welcome anyone and everyone. A lot of associations don't want someone from the private sector getting involved. But one thing we're realizing is that government is becoming more and more dependent on our private sector partners to find solutions to some of the big problems that we're facing. So membership is open to anybody. Membership is $30 a year, and that just covers our administrative costs. And what we typically do is when someone signs up to be a member at elgl.org, we get in touch and they do kind of a new member questionnaire and then we get in touch with them personally and say, okay, you know, what can we do for you and what do you want out of your membership? And for some people, they want to stay involved and they want to be on our mailing list, but, you know, they have a lot going on and that's all they need. And for other people, they say, okay, you know what? I want to be on your conference planning committee or I want to do some regular writing for you. And we just make those things happen. We're starting some more projects, longer range projects. I mentioned the one where we're going to be doing some interviews of of retiring local government employees. We're also doing some work around getting more women and people of color into public service careers. The statistic is 13% of city managers are women. And that number is low and that number is appalling. But Mm -hmm. what's really bad is that that number hasn't changed in 30 years. And so we're trying to do more to raise awareness and to um, make sure that we help build out the resumes and the confidence of women who maybe have, you know, wondered, is this a career for me? Because I'll tell you, when you go to a local government conference and you're not an older white man, (laughs) it, it is obvious that you are not, that you are not the norm. So if we wanted to follow you on social media, where would be the best place to do that? We're on Twitter at ELGL50. And we're on Facebook at ELGL Network. And then we're also on Instagram and Pinterest at ELGL50. And then our website is really kind of the best place to start. And that's ELGL.org. And from there, you can access our podcast. Every Tuesday, we post a very long list of local government jobs from all over the country. Um, That's available for our members. And then we also do a weekly newsletter on Wednesday that's delivered to your email inbox if you sign up. Very busy organization. Wow. (laughs) It's very, it's very exciting. And, you know, we're kind of growing by leaps and bounds. And so just really proud of everything that our management team is doing because they're coming up with great ideas and they're the type of people that they don't just come up with ideas, but then they make them happen. So it's a lot of stuff to be proud of. I'm happy to hear that. Thank you. Yeah. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you'd like to talk about? 
You know, I think the main thing is back to the point we were talking about earlier. There's really a place for anyone and for any aptitude in local government. And so I would hope that if your listeners are hearing this and they think, you know, I've always wanted to do something that's a little bit maybe more mission driven or, or really interested in direct service, I would bet that there's a job out there in a local government for them, because it really is an incredible way to affect your local community and um, to make a difference. And so I would encourage anyone listening to check in to the local job board for your city or your county, because it's a career that you can be proud of. Okay. Sounds great. Wonderful. Well, it's great to meet you, Josh. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate okay. it. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Talk to you soon. This has been The Plural of You. I'm Josh Morgan, and the show's website is pluralofyou.org. That's all for now. Thank you for being kind today. Take care.